So how are you? Well, I'm good. I just got back from Sweden. I was asked to um, I was asked to um, speak at a film conference uh, at the Swedish Film Institute for the University of Stockholm, and it was uh, it was wonderful. It was great. I'd never been there, and it was kind of good to go back into my old life a little bit, talking about film and feminist film and what makes a feminist film, and yeah. and you know, and and I kind of went dialed it all the way back to pre-code um, film in America, which was 1928 to 1934, oh, wow. when, when women could, you know, run companies where women, um, you know, could sue for sexual harassment that, you know, it's all these things that we're still making movies about. Yeah. And then in 1934, the code came in um, and just kind of squelched all those female characters okay i'm i'm behind the times the code what 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 was that well um uh the code was the code for motion pictures that started in 1934 very strong um religious communities and very conservative groups got together and said wait a minute uh you know films have become so popular and everyone's going to films and and we have to make sure that we have people behaving the way they need to behave. Oh my God. And, and to model a correct behavior for Americans. So for 40 some years, women always had to um ed, uh you know let the men make decisions. Um the, a woman always had to obey her husband, a woman's place was in the home. All those things that you know we grew up with the, all the Ozzie and Harriet stuff that before this code went into effect was not there interesting so it's in yeah so it was a fun to kind of look at uh the feminist wave and the films that need to be made today and are still being made and my question was if we had never had that long censorship area yeah would we still be making these films oh that oh that so you asked the audience that Question? Yeah, well, that that my speech was about yeah. that. I speak for like over an hour. It was it was nice. It was a it was a nice um, invite to get, and it was yeah. fun to kind of explore that again. And kind of, I thought, well, this will probably be my last time I'm talking about film because I'm now so dedicated to writing my books. Yeah, that I I, I don't do that much anymore. Yeah. So if our listeners haven't picked up, that was fascinating. I never knew there was a code. That's Jewel Selbo, and she is the author of the D. Rommel series, and she's with me today. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background before we start talking about Nine Days, her current book. As you could guess, Jewel Selbo had a, a career as a screenwriter in Los Angeles, uh, her screenwriting career included uh, shows like Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, animated Disney movies such as, you know, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Part Deux, Ariel's Beginning, Melrose Place, Hercules, um, HBO's Women Behind Bars. She's she's been a screenwriter in L.A. Many more, many more uh, films, TV shows she's been a part of. She's now, she's writing, and she's writing great books. She's in Portland, Maine right now, 
and she was on the podcast in 2021, October 1st, 2021. And we talked about 10 days, a D. Rommel mystery. I have that book here. Yeah. <laughs> and 10 days, it won the Silver Fauchian Award at Killer Nash- Nashville. And it was a finalist for the Maine Literary Awards and also a Clue Award. Now, it made the 2021 top five list of Kirkus Best Crime Mysteries, and it was nominated for a Forward Review Best Awards. Okay, so we're going to talk about Nine Days. It's out now. Nine Days is a D. Rommel mystery. Jewel, welcome the great covers, great covers. Yeah, they did a great job with them, I think. So like I I mentioned, our first interview was on October 1st, 2021, when I interviewed Jewel about 10 days. Now, Jewel, in case people haven't heard that first interview, can you explain to our listeners this, this series and its connection, like even the connection with the titles? Yeah, well, uh, the connection with the titles is each crime mystery takes that amount of days for D. Rommel to take care of. So the first book, 10 days, she has 10 days to solve the crime mystery. Nine days, she has nine days. I'm working on eight days now, and then it'll go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And um, so uh, I have a lot of writing to do ahead, but um, it's kind of fun because um the originally 10 days was a was going to be called 10 days to a wedding because someone comes into the private investigator's office and say, you got to stop my daughter from getting married. She's getting married in 10 days. I don't know this guy. She came out of nowhere. I don't trust him. Find out what's going on. And then um, someone said, hey, 10 days to a wedding sounds like a romantic comedy. Yeah. And said, yeah, I guess it does. And so I just took out to a wedding yeah. and um so then it became 10 days. And then I thought, oh, well, maybe I should do nine days, then eight yeah. days. So then that kind of made me think of how I was going to do the series. So it kind of happened by chance. Um, yeah. So um, 10 days is about um, it's a crime mystery. It takes place in Portland, Maine. And the main character is Dee Rommel. Um, she's in her late 20s. And um, she was a policewoman on the police department. Department in Portland. And she's tall, she's athletic, she's smart, she's tons of confidence, she wants to become a detective, and she's really on that track. She's got a lot of respect in the department. And she's a bit of a smart aleck. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, she's kind of got a chip on her shoulder just because of some of this, the background of her growing up. And um, so uh, what happened Um, before 10 days starts is that she was out on a call. They were after the bad guy, she and her partner and a couple of other other police people. And um, there was a building that was being constructed. Um, The the bad guys go up to the, up to the rooftop. Um, D is on their tail. Um, And it's icy. It's cold. It's winter. It's snowing. You know, Portland is in a mess and she gets sideswiped by the bad guys and is pushed off the top of the roof. Um, <clears throat> she falls into a dumpster that's full of um, of building materials and uh, 
basically she's been in the hospital for quite a long time and they have to remove the lower part of her left leg. Yeah. So she's on medical leave. She's in rehab. She's trying to get used to this new body, used to wearing a prosthesis. Her whole sense of herself has just been put askew. And and her godfather, who's a private uh, investigator in Portland, um, who's become her surrogate father, um, says, you're not going to sit around your apartment. You're going to come and you're going to do the books for me in the private investigating firm. And she does to make him happy and to get him off her back. <laughs> and um, and uh, she gets pulled into uh, the cases that way. So the first book is, is her dealing with her new self, yeah. um, getting pulled into Gordy's world and um, solving a crime in 10 days. Yeah. Um, so it's a, uh, it's, it was a lot of fun to write because there's two mysteries that are kind of going on side by side. One's more personal and one's very attached to this case. Um, but in each case, she's learning about herself and um, and finding out that she's really pretty good at this. Yeah. And see, and the thing I like, I remember when I picked up and was reading 10 Days, it she was a different heroine. Because she's having to deal with this new life. You know, she has, you know, she had her lower leg amputated and she's having to deal with that. And it was just, I, and I, I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to say nice, but it was great to see a character in her situation being represented, you know, in literature. That's what was right. Um, yeah, because she's, you know, she had a, you know, she was very totally like her body was her slave. She, yeah. her body did everything it wanted her to do or she wanted it to do. And, um, and now she has to relearn a lot. And, um, and what's fun about, um, nine days and eight days is she's learning about that world also and some of the new things that are happening, um, for, uh, people who have lost a limb and some of the things that are options for her. So it's all, it's all fascinating to research. Yeah. So, and I like this when authors do this, you have a question. It's a discussion point on the first page. There's this discussion going on and I like it when authors do that because it gets me thinking like the reader thinking and one of the questions I'm going to ask is, it is discussed, do you believe there is power in being underestimated? Because this is what is brought up right from the first page. Yeah, in nine days. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah um, absolutely. I th- I think absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I think there's a lot to be said for being... Um, uh, I like that surprise element. Yeah, you know that someone doesn't think that you you can do, accomplish what you've accomplished. That you're as smart as you are. That that you have the the wherewithal to go forward yeah. um, in a very strong way. And so you surprise them, and that puts them off guard. So I think that in her profession as a private investigator or as a policewoman um, solving crimes, she 
she can use that to her advantage. I mean, yeah. women are often portrayed that way, like, oh, well, you're a woman, you can't do this and that, da, 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 and, and, and with our new superheroines and stuff like yeah. that, it's, it's always been pushed back in people's faces. But in a, in a different way, it's, it's like you can kind of sit back, you can, you can look at what's going on around you, suss out everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it could hurt you by being in, underestimated at the very, very beginning, because you might not get some of the opportunities of other people. Yeah. But then if you put in the work and they start seeing you, then it's almost a stronger sense of, oh, this person is extraordinary. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Okay. So we're, let, let's, let's find out. Let's just give a little summary of what nine days is about. And I'm just going to mute myself because I can feel a sneeze coming on and I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, well, um, nine days, I'll show the cover again, because the covers really are great. Um, nine days is a, um, there's a famous astrologist who works in, um, who's lived in Portland. Her family has been there for generations. And um, it's one of the oldest, richest families in Portland. And she's a famous astrologist worldwide. And um, she pleads guilty to murdering this young gardener, this new gardener that's been working at her home <clears throat> on the west end of Portland, which is kind of a ritzy section. And um, her very kind of unique preteen son, whose name is Czar, and <laughs> he gave himself, um, comes to Gordy's office and hires Dee and Gordy to prove that his mother's lying, yeah. that she didn't kill this person. And the police have just accepted it. Here's this woman, well educated, well respected, um, and she's pled guilty. And the and the police people just are like they're ready. It, everything points to her, so why wouldn't they believe her? Mm-hmm. And um, but Dee kind of gets this feeling from this kid that there's some kind of simpatico stuff going on with them. Um, they come from kind of different worlds, but the, the sense of brightness and and um feeling and being kind of she was a latchkey kid he's kind of a latchkey kid she kind of gets into who this kid is and and starts to believe that he's got something going on that she needs to prove either to him or to the police that um uh whether the mom is guilty or not yeah yeah okay good good all the family strange family dynamics and and wealth versus inheritance and all this kind of interesting things that i i got kind of fascinated with and also when she's i got the feeling like before she starts going into this investigation she's she's i don't want to say she's in doubt but she's almost she's think she's in conflict with herself you know whether just like the police want her to like the police department want her to stay with them you know and and she's she she's she's not a hundred percent sure is she well she um she owes or she feels a great love for gordy and um since her father's death he's stepped in for her he was there for her all through her injury um uh, ever since she's grown up and he's at a certain age where he needs help and something's going on with him. So she feels this real pull to be with him because he wants her to be there. And she also wants to protect him and help him. But at this, and at the same time, she's afraid if she goes back to the police force because of her handicap now, 
um, she won't be on the track that she wants to be because she'll, she's, she has certain restrictions of what she can accomplish. And um, so it's like she wants to be to be, get back on her path to be a detective, but she knows that it's probably going to not happen at the police force right now. Plus, she wants to be there for Gordy. So she, it's a constant push and pull. Also, she's very independent. Um, there's many rules if you're a policeman. There's many rules that you have to follow. And as a private investigator, there's things that you don't have to follow quite. I mean, you have things to answer to and you have to <clears throat> you're you're you have a license that you have to fulfill. But there's a little bit more independent independence for her. Yeah. Yeah. OK. OK. Now. <clears throat> where are we? In the novel like where i always like thinking of the timelines from the end of 10 days where are we now with nine days like how how much time has gone past yeah it's only been about six months yeah um, you know i'm kind of loving the seasons here in portland maine and we have real hot beautiful summers where the sailboats are going by and people are out fishing and swimming and it's a very short summer but everyone just like basically stops their lives to enjoy it and um and then the falls are stunning winters are brutal and cold and long and then you've got this kind of spring that just kind of like never never starts and finally ends yeah so i wanted to explore the seasons so 10 days um uh was in uh summer yeah um nine days takes place in november um, so we have the Thanksgiving, we have the fall, we have all that kind of stuff going on. And eight days now is is happening in the summer. Oh, wow. So I'm starting to realize, oh, so maybe is, is this going to happen every six months? <laughs> um, and it depends on how fast I can write. But um, I think that's kind of my goal. I mean, the books will come out probably every nine months. But yeah. um, but for D, I think it's going to be six months because she has a long arc in my mind. Yeah, you know, book arc, um, but I don't want it to go on forever. I don't want people to get um, frustrated with her. I want yeah. them to see this this arc. So I don't want it to go on too long, but it also can't be too short because it is a long journey that she has to get through. Yeah, cool. Okay, okay. And now I'm just wondering, are you going to hit each season? That, that's what, when you were talking there, because see, the one thing I always hear of. Ontario, they have now Ontario, Toronto, it's like above where uh, Chicago and Detroit, like that, it's on the eastern side. And, you know, everybody always tells me in Ontario, you definitely have the four seasons. Whereas on the West Coast, we have, we have summer, we have fall, and I would say we have rain, okay? <laughs> like we're because we're above Seattle, okay? So um, as you're talking, I'm thinking. I wonder with each book if she's going to hit four seasons because that would also that's to me like another extra little gem, right? Yeah, I imagine Seven Days is going to be in deep dark winter because that's always fun to write. I grew up in Fargo, North Dakota, okay. so winter is magical for me. Yeah. Um, it would it would get to thirty below. Uh, you know, below zero, 
but you could walk around Fargo because it was dry. And a friend of mine, when I went to college, a friend of mine moved to Chicago and I would go visit her. And Chicago, when it gets cold, it's freezing because it's wet. Yeah, that's that's your your wet cold. And that's really hard. Yeah. Okay. You make me feel good because I was out shoveling the driveway yesterday twice. (laughs) The second time I told my spouse, I said the second time was harder because the snow that was coming down then was wet. Like we had the light, white, fluffy stuff at the first time early morning, but by the afternoon, it was, it was <laughs> right with the, <laughs> so anyways, anyways. Now, I was wondering with D, you know, you hear with police officers, I know one, in, I know one who's since retired, that how they cope, you know, it's, it's like, stuff they've dealt with, they put it in a cupboard and close the door. And I'm just wondering, I get the feeling sometimes with D that some of the stuff she's dealing with, it's like she's done that. She's put it like she's put it behind a door. Is is that what she's kind of going through right now? Well, she's, you know, her her uh live-in boyfriend left her after the accident. He didn't want to deal with this kind of new thing that who she was and what she was going through yeah. her um, she's uh, she's, she's got really, really good friends that she's very close with that she will do anything for, but she also keeps this reserve um, probably because of her family situation growing up. But I do agree with you. I, I think probably going through the years that she it was only a couple of years on the police force. Yeah. Um, I've become good friends with some police officers here in Portland. And it is true. I mean, they're, they're beautiful, kind, really good people, but you know that, you know, the night before they were breaking up, you know, drug deals or picking up a body or something like that. And, and um, they're doing it for all the reasons that keep us all safe. Yeah. All on them. Has to be incredible. So I think you ha- they have to learn. Okay, as much as I can, yeah. let me close the door. Um, you know, we it's kind of a I don't want to say cliche, but I'll say cliche yeah. that you know marriages are really really tough. Yeah. Um, in in um uh, in police department personnel, just because the hours, the time, the darkness, the things you see, you know, just they can build up. And um, so, in, yeah, besides that, I think that um, D just has that kind of sense of, am I worthy sometimes? Her mother um, kind of always put career first. Yeah. Her dad was great, but he was very quiet and introspective. And um, so that kind of sense of there's always a safe haven for me it's 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 tenuous for her and i yeah. think that's also a connection to gordy well and what's neat you know and here's the thing i find i i come up with questions but you and i always we'll we'll go off because on you know just because i find her such an interesting character um oh god and i just about lost my train of thought here we go as i listen to you talk about her when you talk about d it's it's almost like she's your best friend 
do you do you get that? Do you feel like when you think of like because writing about her, you know about her, right? Yeah, um, it is, and it, and because it's first person, yeah. present tense, it makes it more immediate. But um, yeah, I I kind of think that I would want to be her friend. I would want her to be my friend. Yeah. Yeah. I would try to be a friend to her, even though she, you know, she would be kind of she wouldn't be totally open. I mean, I think the only person that she's who sees her absolutely is her friend Gretchen. Yeah. And Gretchen can call her on um all the things that uh Dee puts in the way of being open to love, being open to friendship and um trusting people. But um yeah, because she's such a she she justice is huge for her. Mm-hmm. She wants fairness. Um and so I think if you had her as a friend, you'd be very lucky because yeah. if you needed somebody, she would be there for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now not that she would let you into <laughs> her life as much, but she would do anything for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about Czar. He is a fun character. And the interactions between Czar, Gordy, and D are funny. Tell us a little bit, like you've told us a little bit about Czar. Was he inspired by any one person or how does he come about? He's the son. He's the son who hires her. Yeah, he, um, it's funny. I, I had so much fun writing Czar because um, uh, I'd like, you know, I'd like research. I really love facts. I'm kind of all over the place. I like history. I like science. I like psychology. I like Everything probably except for math because I'm just stuck at it, and um, and um, and he's the kind of kid who's just really, really, he's he he's grown up in a family where he also doesn't have a lot of unconditional love coming at him all the time. His mother thinks he's a little genius, yeah. which can be a burden, I think, and um, and uh, if anything emotional happens to him, he goes right to the facts. Like his his dad gets, goes into a coma and he, it's not about, oh, my dad, I'm worried about him. It's like, what can I learn about what, what is a coma? And you know, what's happening to my dad's body. And so he's a kid who can hide behind those facts. And I think that's one of the reasons why D relates to him so well, because he deals with things and he's always going forward, but at the same time, he's not digging into an, an emotional deep spot. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. So I'm wondering, knowing you were a screenwriter for so many TV series, you know, for instance, like Melrose Place, and thinking about episodes, 10 books. Now, have you plotted out or do you have an idea of what each book in the series is going to be about um, because like, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm not a screenwriter. I don't know about producing TV shows. Like, I guess I'm wondering if you're taking your experience, like knowing each show, each episode, what's going to happen. Are you applying maybe the same principles to like each book that's going to be coming out? Um, in a way, Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, I um, started in Hollywood on a um, 
you know, I, I was writing plays in New York. And one of my plays got some attention and got me a couple of jobs in Hollywood and writing movies and television. And in television, the writer is more has more power, um, is stronger, kind of runs the 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 show because they it is in special and because series have become so popular, the writers who have it all in their heads really need to be in charge. Yeah. And they hire the director, they hire the people, they they hire those things, and the director. Sometimes, most times, it's jobbing in and just has to catch up to the story. So one of my favorite things of being a writer for um, uh, series like Melrose Place and Life Goes On and, and other series is the writer's room. Um, and then being able to go away and write the script. In sitcoms, usually you're a group of writers. You write the first script, but then you kind of put it in in the middle of the table and it's a feeding frenzy. Oh, I have a better joke. I have this, I have this. Whereas in our drama, um, you you help break the story and then you go write the story and then you might get notes from the network or the executive producer, but it's not a free-for-all because everybody else is writing their own scripts. So in one hour, the writer actually... Um, has a better chance of getting their voice, even though they're in the series and you, the series has to be consistent in their ideas and their voice heard. So we would get together, um, say there's six writers on the series. We'd have a big whiteboard and we would plot out each episode. And yeah. so then we would plot out the next episode, but you would know, okay, I have to pick up at that spot. Okay. So then you would go forward. It was it's kind of like the telephone game, you know, where you you say something, then you keep going. Yeah. And um, so I probably, absolutely, probably, absolutely, yeah. here we go again. Yeah. Um, that really has affected me because I worked with some amazing people. Chuck Pratt um, is uh, he started on daytime soaps, but then moved to the nighttime soaps like Melrose Place and stuff. He was brilliant at just spinning and spinning and spinning a story and a character in lots of different directions. So the character kept becoming more three-dimensional okay. and, and then you would stop at a certain point and, um, and then you would uh, you know, the next writer would pick up, but the audience want, couldn't wait until watching the next episode. Yeah. Um, there's a writer that I really love, Anne Perry. I don't know if you've read her work, oh. but she does the same thing. She's got three different book series, um, and uh, the William Monk um, is one of them. And um, when you read them, you're right, you're reading along, and you're so involved in the mystery. The crime plays out, and it gets solved, and the characters are great. And then it stops, and you're like going, "There's no tie-up. There's no like, you know, okay." And then this is what this person is thinking or she he finally goes over to so-and-so's house and apologizes or none of that it just stops okay I love her books and I'm and so I, I remember thinking when I was working on nine ten days and nine days I kind of wanted to give the audience a little bit more but I also wanted him to go oh I can't wait for the next book yes so that was a long-winded say to answer to Yes, I think working on TV series did affect. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. Um, see, and I, one thing I forgot to mention earlier was that thinking of your series, literally 
picking up nine days and starting to read, it's the wittiness with D. Like she, you know, I, it was, it was literally a feeling of, all right, D's back, you know, like, (laughs) and that's, I think that's a reflection of your writing because I just, I, it's, it's like, oh, Yep, I'm back in her story again, you know, and she is witty. And there were like scenes that made me chuckle. So kudos to you. (laughs) Great. (laughs) So the other thing I was thinking of was the idea to start the series. Okay, I was wondering whose idea was it to start the series with 10 days? Because if it was the other way around, and the first book that came out was one day, that imminent sense of of deadline would not be in the storyline. Because, you know, as I'm reading it, so I've read 10 days, I'm reading nine days. And so you have for the character that the clock is ticking, right? She's got nine days to figure out what has gone on here, what has happened with this murder. And I was even thinking that if you wrote the books and the first one was one day and that like that was the first book that came out and then the next book was two days, you've also built in a clock is ticking for the reader too. Like was like, I'm making a, I'm doing an awful job trying to ask a question here, but who like you thought that who thought I'm sure you did that it's better to start with 10 days and have the clock ticking down than one day and have the clock ticking up that's what I need more coffee (laughs) I need more Uh, coffee you know what uh, I mean yeah I mean like I said 10 days to a wedding was kind of uh, just happened because I put that time clock on the story 10 days has to be solved and then when I decided to do the series down um it just, um, yeah, I never even thought about, should it be 11 days? Should I just be random days? <laughs> I just can't thought, no, I'm going to do this. And that'll be the challenge because I've, I'm finding now with eight days, I have to outline a little bit more because the time frame of what she's got to solve the crime yeah. is getting tighter. Right. And um, so I'm outlining a little bit more. Um and um, it is challenging because she does need to sleep. She does need to eat. She does need to, you know, have, a, you know, and you and you can't just go bam, 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 bam. There's got to be some kind of not lull, but a little bit of respite from her banging her head against the wall, you know, right in the bad guy's face, you know. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting because in eight days, the one that I'm working on now the first day, oh my God, I was like, I thought, okay, my outline said only these things are going to happen. But I thought, no, if she was doing that, she would go immediately to this. But my first day is like so long, I'm going to have to trim it, I'm sure, in pages. Yeah. But um, I thought, well, she, she could accomplish all these things in one day, yeah. but then she needs to sleep and she needs to think about it. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to kind of like put that time clock on myself. Yeah. And my my husband keeps kid, kidding me because I do know where one day is going to take place. Okay, I kind of know the parameters because I I know D's overall arc, but the crime each book 
I don't know. I don't know until I start writing and what's in the news and what takes my fancy. But because one day I know it's going to be so particular, I know exactly where what's going to be happening where on that one. Okay. I was going to say, could you tie it into maybe daylight savings time and give her an extra <laughs> hour? <laughs> Poor lady. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but it's neat though. I was just thinking after what I was, you know, how if you had started it one day and then worked up, I don't think it would have had as much of, of an effect because for me as the reader, you going 10 and going down it's just there's this this that that clock ticking feeling for the reader even before we even read the book is there so that i think is really cool because there is that zero point yeah if if i was going up you could go well how high is she gonna go you know sue grafton a to z you know and i you know i i sue grafton i love her books and her I, you know, I always wanted D. Rommel to be on that, you know, in that world of Kinsey Malone type of heroine, you yeah. know, that she's, she's tough, but she's got a lot of issues and she's, you know, she's, so it's, it's, it's really interesting. I don't know how she did A to Y. It's just amazing. <laughs> Some of those books are like, they're big. Yeah. 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 Okay. So fun question here, Jewel. I got my questions to you. I I had told Jewel that I would get the questions to her Sunday night, but Sunday I was binging baking shows. Um, (laughs) Every baking show, Christmas baking show, competition show, I was just binging those. And I think it was at 8.30 at night, my time, that I thought, I was supposed to send Jewel her questions. So (laughs) what have you been doing for fun or what have you been binging lately? Um, well, you know, it's so funny. Was that term used before the pandemic? Maybe it was, but that's it became so much of everyone's life then. Um, and uh, we want our entertainment came to us that way. And I, I read book series, I watched TV series, and um, and it's funny when I started working on my my speech for Sweden. I had to go back and watch movies again. And I thought, oh, this is so strange. Yeah. And uh, so what I've been binging, um, you know, I caught up on billions. I caught up on um, succession, all those ones that that uh, I had I'd heard about, but I hadn't really sat down and watched. And then I, you know, I was loving that. But just last month I started binging on Columbo. Oh <gasps> yeah. one. Starting in 1971, with Peter and Falk, probably up to like 1975 now, yeah. and um, but to to watch that, you know, not only production value as far as what people were fooling around with with the cameras for um, TV at that point and special effects, but you see, like Steven Spielberg directed the first episode of Columbo. Really? So you read the credits and you're like going. What? Oh, yeah. so and so wrote that one. Oh, so and so directed that one. There's Jamie Lee Curtis, and she looks like 12 years old. Martin yeah. Sheen is in, in one, and he looks like he's 19. Yeah. So it's like it's like going back in time, and also because I don't live in Los Angeles anymore, but I lived there for 20 some years. 
seeing the old locations, but seeing them in 1970. Yeah. I mean, it's been fascinating for me. So right now I'm kind of a Peter Falk <laughs> mode. And um, just because it's, 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 you know, the hair, the fashion, the stories, and even those, most of them, not most of them, but some of them are kind of old fashioned, predictable from our standards today. There's still some really good twists and Columbo is such a good character. And, you know, just the fact, if you remember, Columbo talks about his wife every episode and she is like, she's always on him about something. She's always like somehow present, but she's never, never, never seen. And, um, and she's never, you know, she's not an actress. She's just a, a, you know, a, a concept in the writer's minds. And if, um, so it's uh there was who was it that um there was another character oh I'm going to blank now I, I was just seen. going to say was it Carson and Rhoda or Mary Tyler Moore the doorman that no one ever saw Yeah there's a couple of things like that yeah. and there's also another oh um uh, in Fraser Yeah we never um see Fraser's first wife was it Lilith not not Fraser's first wife, but um, but David Hyde Pierce's um, the brother's first wife. Yeah, never see her. She's only talked about for episode after episode. After yeah, episode. yeah. So it's fun. So, what writing? Well, you mentioned about uh, Peter Fox Falk's character being a great character. What writing lessons would you take away from? watching all those Columbo series. You said twists. Yeah, really good twists, you know, and 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 how observant he is. And um as because, you know, I'm a crime mercy writer like you, it's like yeah. um, you know, you you're looking for how are they going to lay in these clues? And how is he going to start um focusing in on who he thinks is actually the guilty party? Uh, there is a very much of a structure and um uh, style in Colombo where you get to know how how it works very quickly, but also maybe because I was a TV writer and now I'm writing crime mysteries. So um, there is a flaw in there um, where for some reason yeah. the um, the bad guy has or woman has this ego kind of thing where they 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 start to kind of bait Colombo or yeah. they. They have to kind of show how smart they are, and of course, um, uh, it, it, you you have to get to know your antagonist. Otherwise, yeah. you know the antagonist in my mind has to be as interesting and as strong as the protagonist. So it has to be that way. It's you know started out as an hour show, then it went into TV um, uh, hour and a half TV movie types. But um, yeah, so there there's a def- definite structure in it, um, but. Um, you know, at way back when in the seventies, people were only watching one one a week. Yeah. yeah, not like not like sitting down and watching four or five back to back. So yeah, see, and I'm just I'm as you're talking about that, I'm having flashbacks to uh, Rock Hudson and Susan St. James, and was it McMillan and wife? Uh huh. And Dennis Weaver, he played like it was almost like a sun. It did. It turned into like a Sunday afternoon movie that you could watch. And yeah, 
oh, those were great days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but thank goodness we have this streaming thing where we yeah. can go back and watch these things that we didn't get to watch when we were kids. Yeah. And and um and so it's uh it's fun to go back and and see the progression. And also, you know, in the 70s, you know, the kind of the hippie psychedelic type stuff and and to see the camera people and the directors try to fool around with special effects and it's just you know we're we've come a long way so yeah yeah okay so i take it thinking about what's next eight days you're working on that one now yes i'm about halfway through excellent so when are you expecting that one coming out well i don't know um it takes my publisher uh panda moon a I don't know. They kind of like pushed nine days through because they said let's it's a series and 10 days did well. So let's try to get it out. So they pushed it um a little bit faster than they normally do. Yeah. I think it takes them, I don't know, six, seven months or something to kind of get through all the, you know, to get it on the tr- on the train, the publishing yeah. train, and then to get the cover and to get the editing and the da-da-da-da-da and all that kind of stuff. So if I get it done by February, I'm hoping it would come out by early summer. Yeah. Because yeah. nine days came out at the end of August. And so I'm trying to get them out a little bit quicker. Yeah. Well, I need to put you in my calendar again. Because <laughs> it, it, we got it. We got it. I, I remember I said this to you at 10 days and uh, that we had to have you get, got to have, to have you back on at nine. And I am, I am actually getting my calendar together for next year. So I am going to be putting, printing out, would you say September? September maybe? Um, Well, hopefully it'll be out by lunar July, but September is great. You know, whenever is good for you, I'll be happy to come back. Hey, Joel, thank you so much. Thank you. Nice talking to you.